Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Nikki Haley says, you do you, boo, on abortion. Ron DeSantis highlights winning. NBC doesn't go full left wing, and Trump voters in Iowa apparently are not impressed with Donald Trump. I'm Andrew Coppins, and you're tuned in to Critical Thinking. Welcome to Critical Thinking, the number one critical thinking podcast in the entire world. And by the way, that's not some hyperbole. That is an actual thing. For the second year in a row, we were voted independently as the number one critical thinking podcast in the world. Thank you to each and every single one of you who continue to support this show, who continue to help bring the movement of critical thinking back to our discussion as a nation. With that being said, yesterday, last night, GOP debate number three in Miami, fireworks, talk of people in heels, and all sorts of wonderful goodness went down at that GOP debate. I'm not here to necessarily give you a blow-by-blow or play-by-play, or play, if you will, of what went down last night, but... What I thought I would do in today's episode is kind of give you some things that I loved and things that I hated in that debate um, across the board. But before I do that, um, I want to set the stage this way because there was one person obviously missing from the stage, and that was Donald John Trump. But he was not missing from the campaign. Because while that debate was going on, he was choosing to hold a rally in Iowa. And I want you to put that in the back of your brain as we talk about everything that went down during this debate. So let's go ahead and start with the three things that I loved first. And the three things that I loved first. Number one is going to be uh, Ron DeSantis' opening statement. Some people... Didn't like it. Actually, the only people who didn't like it were the MAGA Forever crowd, like Raheem Kassam and, and some of these weird people that you've probably never heard of unless you live in the world of X and online Ron DeSantis or uh, Donald Trump trolls. But I actually thought that this opener from Ron DeSantis was 
phenomenal because it hit the three main points that I talked about on yesterday's show. Number one, it showed a plan. Number two, it talked about his ability to win with said plan, which he highlighted. And then number three, it went after the losing of Donald Trump. Why should you and not him be the Republican nominee to face Joe Biden a year from now? This country is in trouble. And the elites that have put us here, they don't care about you. They don't care that you're having to grapple with higher grocery prices or have higher gas prices. They don't care that your family's less secure because of the open border that's allowed drugs and even terrorists to come into this country. Well, I care. I am not going to sit idly by and let this country continue its downward spiral. We need leadership and we need it now. I'll take the hits. I'll take the arrows. I'll take the slings because ultimately it's not about me. It's about you. I will fight for you. I will make sure to lead this country's revival, and I will win for you and your family. Actions speak louder than words. We don't have time for excuses, and it's not something that we're going to be able to have all these distractions. As a veteran, I will get the job done. Now, if you look where we are now, it's a lot different than where we were in 2016. And Donald Trump's a lot different guy than he was in 2016. He owes it to you to be on this stage and explain why he should get another chance. He should explain why he didn't have Mexico pay for the border wall. He should explain why he racked up so much debt. He should explain why he didn't drain the swamp. And he said Republicans were going to get tired of winning. Well, we saw last night, I'm sick of Republicans losing in Florida. I showed how it's done. One year ago here, we want a historic victory, including a massive landslide right here in Miami-Dade County. That's how we have to do it. So I promise you this, as the nominee, next November I'll Thank get the government. job done, and as president, I will your, deliver your time for is you. Up. Let me turn. That was brilliantly delivered. It was concise. It was easy to understand. And he highlighted the key points, winning. He highlighted Donald Trump's losing ability. So I loved that opening statement. I thought he had a very strong performance overall. He's still very awkward on that type of a stage. It is not the thing that he is the strongest on. And you see that when you go back into the spin room later on and you see him just kind of riffing with um, the different pundits and talking heads and TV personalities and all of that, right? You see it. You see his personality. And it's why I believe he is winning in Iowa right now. And I'll explain a little bit more of that uh, in detail. But right now, I believe he is winning in Iowa because he understands how to connect on a one-to-one level. He understands that caucusing is a very personal decision. You actually have to invest time, effort, know-how. You have to invest a lot of that time, a lot of that effort, in order to caucus in the Republican Party. Now, it's not as cutthroat as the DNC side of things, but it is still an investment of at least likely an hour, some cases two hours out of your time that night. It is not as simple as just going there, showing up, filling out the ballot, and away you go. It's not, that is a very impersonal thing and it makes it easy to do the easy thing. 
This makes it hard, and it makes it easier to do the hard thing, the right thing. And I think he is connecting on that level. And I thought we saw some more of that on the stage, telling the stories and, and doing the the things that he did on that stage overall. But I loved that opening statement. And speaking of open, opening statements, if I could speak English today, <laughs> um, I want to highlight the second thing that I loved, which was Vivek Ramaswamy and his opening statement. Because rather than giving some canned response, although I have a feeling that this is something that he has been wanting to unleash for a while, he took that opportunity to do something that I talked about again yesterday on this program. And that was to confront with the truth. And that was to stand up and speak the truth. And he looked at Rona McDaniel, the head of the Republican National Committee, right, the RNC, the head of the entire party, and told her what time it was. Time for her to resign. He looked at NBC and its moderators and told them exactly what he thought and what most voters think of their left-wing politics to their face. And it kind of set him up to be the likely winner of this debate if you want to talk about that. I don't really care about it. I don't care about who won a debate. Nobody has literally ever voted for somebody because they won a debate. It might factor in, but chances were that they were already leaning towards one candidate or the other, and it pushed them over the edge. But Vivek Ramaswamy's opening statement was a brilliant masterpiece in speaking truth to power. Swami, let me turn to you. Uh, please make your case. Why would you, uh, why should you be the nominee and not the former president? I think there's something deeper going on in the Republican Party here. And I am upset about what happened last night. We've become a party of losers at the end of the day. We have a cancer in the Republican establishment. Let's speak the truth. I mean, since Ronna McDaniel took over as chairwoman of the RNC in 2017, we have lost 2018, 2020, 2022, no red wave that never came. We got trounced last night in 2023. And I think that we have to have accountability in our party. For that matter, Ron, if you want to come on stage tonight, you want to look the GOP voters in the eye and tell them you resign, I will turn over my, yield my time to you. And frankly, look, the people there are cheering for losing in the Republican Party. Think about who's moderating this debate. This should be Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, and Elon Musk. We'd have 10 times the viewership asking questions that GOP primary voters actually care about and bringing more people into our party. Do you think the Democrats, and we've got Kristen Welker here, do you think the Democrats would actually hire Greg Gutfeld to host a Democratic debate? They wouldn't do it. And so the fact of the matter is, I mean, Kristen, I'm going to use this time because this is actually about you and the media and the corrupt media establishment. Ask you the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that you pushed on this network for years. Was that real or was that Hillary Clinton made up disinformation? Answer the question. Go. Mr. Sorry. This is how we get our country back. We need accountability because this media rigged the 2016 election. They rigged the 2020 election with the Hunter Biden laptop story. And they're going to rig this election. Your time is up. Let me turn to Governor Governor Christie. Now, I did love 
the accountability line, right? Accountability for Rona McDaniel, accountability for the media perpetuating hoaxes, telling us that the Hunter Biden laptop story wasn't real. And I believe to this day, Tony Bobolinsky is not even a blip on CNN's radar still. Um, that's a longstanding situation that we check up on on this show. NBC refused to cover the Hunter Biden laptop story. NBC also ran with the Russian collusion. Absolute false. The entire dossier, the entire story, the entire thing was made up fantasy. It was fiction. All of it. There was not a single iota, not a word, not a scintilla of anything that was on those pieces of paper in that dossier that was true. It was absolute propaganda from the Hillary Clinton campaign in order to attempt in a desperate move to win the 2016 election. She still lost. They couldn't rig it then. They attempted to rig it, and they still lost. And then in 2020, they decided, well, if the media rigging it won't work, we're going to rig the actual game. And we have talked about this for a very long time. And accountability, Vivek, by the way, goes beyond Rona McDaniel. And I'm going to talk about that in one of the things that I hate. But calling out Rona McDaniel to her face. Now, reports are from people that were around her. She was pissed, calling him a horse's ass, amongst other things. Um, and we're going to talk about some of the horse's ass stuff that he pulled later on as well. But calling out NBC to its face, asking Christian or Christian uh, Welker to her face, was that was this real or was this disinformation? Notice how they didn't answer it, whatever. But ironically, the other thing that I loved was NBC's moderators. Unlike Fox News and some of the other debates that have taken place, the other two debates were an absolute crap show embarrassment. This one was actually good. We got substantive answers. We got real debate instead of canned lines, BS attacks, although we had a few of them. But by and large, it was a debate about substance and differences and reminding people of what people's records really were, or they attempted to do so. Um, but overall, we didn't get a lot of interruptions. We didn't get a ton of tit-for-tat, back-and-forth pettiness. We got some of it, but not to the level we had before. We had much more organization to this debate, and it flowed way better. I got way more out of this from an informational standpoint. So I absolutely loved the moderators. They asked substantive questions on real topics. They brought in people, um, I believe it was the head of the Republican Jewish Coalition, who asked not one but two really important questions on Israel. And I thought, by and large, the, the answers to that were fine. Um, I think it was good to, to know that the vast majority believe that the support that we should be giving to them is simply this. You have a right to exist, finish them, and we will support you from that perspective. I don't think we need to give them any money. 
I don't think we need to do anything other than let them know, hey, we're here for you. Should something go haywire, let us know how we could assist you. The end of the day, I thought the answers were pretty damn good. That's the reality of that. I don't know about you, but those were the things that I loved the most out of this debate were Vivek's opening statement, Ron DeSantis's opening statement, and the moderators from NBC. Give credit where credit is due. They outdid Fox News by a country mile, folks. It's not even close. Not even close. All right, with that out of the way, how about the things that I hated? All right, number one on this list is Vivek Ramaswamy going after Nikki Haley's daughter when they were talking about uh, TikTok and uh, Chinese ownership and and um, poisoning the well of the American psyche. Now, going after the daughter of a candidate is pretty contemptible. Let's just be honest about that. Even if that daughter or that son or child, whatever, is an adult, what do they have to do with their parents? Again, the sins of the fathers, the sins of the parents shall not be brought upon the sons and daughters. Right? And vice versa, by the way. Should we suggest that uh, Joe Biden is a piece of crap father or a drug addict because his son is? He's both of those, by the way. Let's, let's be real on that from Hunter Biden's perspective. He is a piece of crap father or a complete absence of being a father and a drug addict. But that notwithstanding, on the matter of TikTok, it's the most popular social media app in America right now. Why? You're on it too, Vivek. And I get why you're on it. And I get why Nikki Haley's daughter would be on it. Because the reality is if you want to reach the youngest generation of voters, you have to go where they are. You have to market to them. You have to understand where they are. You have to understand that you can relate with them and grow with them. And the reality is that Vivek at 38 years old is part of the generation that has grown up with social media. Now, you have to understand that that group, the group that I'm talking about, the the 37 and older crowd, were the ones who maybe didn't understand Facebook right away, but were the first ones to jump into Facebook. We were the ones to jump into MySpace and, and everything like that, right? We were really the ones that dipped our toes into the water. Now, TikTok is full-fledged in the water. You're in the deep end. And yes, I understand that TikTok can be dangerous to the American psyche. The algorithms are shoving um, lots of things weirdly into the For You page and and tilting the scale and all of that. But it's also on you to be a discerning consumer of said information. 
And we're not teaching that discernment in our schools. We're not teaching social media responsibility, which I believe is something that we should be teaching. By the way, I think by the time you enter seventh grade or maybe your freshman year of high school, you should be taking a class in social media responsibility. I, I think that would be a great life skill. It can teach you discernment. It can teach you how to critically think. It can teach you how to navigate and discern between real, fake, uh, and and manipulation, right? Those are all things that we should be teaching to our children because the reality is social media is not going anywhere. It's likely to look way different 10 years from now than it did 10 years ago or right now. TikTok was not even a twinkle in the eye 10 years ago. Nobody wouldn't know. What's a TikTok? Now, it is a tool that I use in my real estate business, and I use it because it is the easiest and best way for me to market, to put myself in front of the most amount of people I could possibly put myself in front of and do it for basically free. I get to have people know, like, and trust me. They get to know who I am. They get to hopefully like who I am, and they get to trust that I can be somebody that they want to put their real estate futures in my hands. Now, you could do that on Instagram, except for Instagram's algorithm does not put you in front of the most amount of people humanly possible. Its algorithm is actually pretty garbage compared to what TikTok offers. It's how you use it. It is how you consume it that matters. That's the reality. For everybody that wants to drag TikTok for being Chinese propaganda, let me ask you this. Is Facebook any different? Is Instagram any different? Was Twitter any different prior to Elon Musk? They all tipped the scales. They all produced propaganda. They all were manipulating algorithms and how you saw information, what you saw, when you saw it, all of it. They are doing the same thing that TikTok has been doing. The only difference is one of them flies the Chinese Communist Party flag and the, other is, and the others are flying the American flag. That's the reality of this. If you think that manipulation of algorithms is only happening at the behest of the Chinese Communist Party, you're out of your mind. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. But that does not excuse Vivek Ramaswamy from going after Nikki Haley's daughter. That's one thing that I did not like. The second thing is actually also a Vivek Ramaswamy thing that I didn't like. And I said as much in real time on my ex uh, feed, which you can go to at the Coppin show. I said it last night right away in real time. Notice how in that opening statement that I liked, right, thing, things that I loved, this is something that I didn't like about that statement. The words Donald Trump and losing were never coming out of his mouth because as much as Rona McDaniel is responsible as the leader of the RNC, as the leader of Team GOP, the reality is that there's one person who's responsible for Rona McDaniel being in this position. And that is actually Donald Trump who propped her up not once, but twice folks, not once, but twice propped her up when there were viable options to run this party alternatives to Rona McDaniel after noting that there were losses in 2018 and in 2020 they had the chance to course correct, to change. But Donald Trump put his thumb on the scale and said, nah, I endorse Rona McDaniel. And she eventually won on, I think it was the third ballot, something like that. Doesn't matter. She didn't win enough in the first couple of times. And then Trump, thumb on the scale. So Donald Trump, you put in place the loser. And we talked about this yesterday, the amount of losing that the Republican Party has done on a local, on a federal, on a statewide level is astronomically bad. Ever since Donald Trump has put his magical fingers, his tiny hands, whatever you want to call it, on the scales. Losing, 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 losing. Carrie Lake lost. Tried to go full Donald Trump. Whatever you think of what was or wasn't going on in Maricopa County, she lost. Whether you think that it was legitimate or not, the courts do. We're playing in a in a field of play, and uh, there's a bunch of rules there, and, well, according to those rules, she lost. John Fetterman, Mehmet Oz lost to a literal vegetable. That is not to say anything disparaging about John Fetterman and the fact that he is suffering from cognitive decline because of a stroke. That is to suggest that he shouldn't be anywhere near a lover of power, period, point blank. And the fact that the GOP couldn't get a candidate in place to beat that speaks volumes. That alone, folks, that alone, that's on, that's on Donald Trump for endorsing Mehmet Oz. 
We can go on and on and on. But Vivek wouldn't go there. Now, I understand why, because he is an absolute surrogate of Donald Trump's campaign. That's very clear as to what he is there to really do. He is there to go after Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley, the two biggest competitors to Donald Trump in this GOP field. He is the the attack dog so that Donald Trump can keep his hands clean, quote-unquote. I didn't like the fact that while he laid the blame for losing at the feet of Rona McDaniel, he couldn't go the extra step and say exactly the reality. There are two people responsible for this. Number one is Donald Trump, and number two is Rona McDaniel. Because Donald Trump has picked out many of these candidates to endorse. Donald Trump has endorsed losing on a historic level for the RNC. His batting average would get him demoted to triple A if he was a major league baseball player to give you a sports reference there. Now, before I move forward here, I, I want to also mention this. This is a side for me uh, the the Tim Scott awkward presence on stage, really weird. Uh, he kept moving from, center of the podium to the side, like somehow he was at like some town hall and he was going to have a discussion outside of his podium. And then it led to being really difficult to hear and understand what he was saying in the moment. So for me, that was a weird and awkward moment. I didn't hate Tim Scott for it, but dude, you, you got to know your stage presence. You've got to understand the audience that you're speaking to. And that's also to the awkwardness of Ron DeSantis. He is an awkward person on stage right now. But when you get him away from canned moments, you see the candidness and, and the warmth and the ability to think on his feet that just doesn't exist when he's in this type of an environment. All right. But my third thing, beyond Vivek going after Nikki Haley and Vivek's refusal to go after Donald Trump for all the losing that has taken place in the last four election cycles is Nikki Haley on abortion. This is her answer. I want you to listen to this about what she would say and message um, to the Republican Party and others in regards to abortion. You know, I've said it before. I think you have to be honest with the American people. This is a personal issue for every woman and every man. I am unapologetically pro-life, not because the Republican Party tells me to be, but because my husband Michael was adopted and I had trouble having both of my children. So I'm surrounded by blessings. Having said that, when you look post-Roe, a wrong was made right. They took it out of the hands of unelected justices and they put it in the hands of the people. And now we're seeing states vote. And what I'll tell you is, as much as I'm pro-life, I don't judge anyone for being pro-choice and I don't want them to judge me for being pro-life. So when we're looking at this, there are some states that are going more on the pro-life side. I welcome that. There are some states that are going more on the pro-choice side. I wish that wasn't the case, but the people decided. But when it comes to the federal law, which is what's being debated here, be honest. It's going to take 60 Senate votes, a majority of the House, and a president to sign it. So no, we haven't had 60 Senate votes in over 100 years. We might have 45 pro-life senators. So no Republican president can ban 
abortions any more than a Democrat president can ban these state laws. So let's find consensus. Let's agree on what, how we can ban late-term abortions. Let's make sure we encourage adoptions and good quality adoptions. Let's make sure we make contraception accessible. Let's make sure that none of these state laws put a woman in jail or give her the death penalty for getting an abortion. Let's focus on how to save as many babies as we can and support as many moms as we can and stop Thank the you. judgment. Stop the judgment. Here, here's the problem with all of that. Stop the judgment. Um, yeah, let, let's talk about that. Does anybody... Here's where I'm at with this. Is this not a life and death situation? If you are pro-life, do you, do you see this as life versus murder? You know what? I'm totally anti-murder, but hey, you psychopaths, you sociopaths, you serial killers out there, you do you, boo. Just, just, just as long as you're not killing me or, or putting it in my face, you do you. Is that a position anybody holds? Is that a position anybody should hold? No. Now, I will say this. She is correct about the federal realities. She is correct in so much as they're never going to get 60. You are correct. It hasn't happened in a very long time. But the other reality is that in the current state of the GOP in the Senate, there's probably at least 10 of them that will use the cover of the Democrats having the majority to vote with them in regards to abortion. We, we've seen it in the Ohio vote, right? Team GOP is not willing to just fundamentally stand up for life on a local level, let alone at a federal level. The other part of this reality is this. It is very clear the signaling given by the Dobbs decision is that there is no place for federal legislation on this issue. There is no enumerated power within the federal government to take this issue on. So even if in the fantasy world of getting 60 votes in the Senate and having the House of Representatives and Nikki Haley in office. The federal government has no business in this business, if you will. So it is, Nikki Haley, about hearts and minds. It is about fighting this fight on a very personal local level. Is your suggestion that, you know what, you do you, you do you boo in Ohio, and I'll tell you what, when this issue comes up in, in state after state, I've got nothing to say because who the hell am I to judge? Taking the pro-life position is not about judgment. It is about simply stating the fact that every human being has value and has a right to live. Now, the other part of this that I found that I really hated was this 
Chris Christie, Tim Scott, Nikki Haley idea that you have to be pro-life for the entirety of life. It's very simple. I agree. You have the right to live. You should have the right to live. But their suggestion is that the federal government should be in the business of making sure that they take care of you forever. No. Do we need to create strengthened adoption procedures in this country? Absolutely we do. We just see we just see time and time again, there's a great example of this in Atlanta where there were multiple kids adopted by this gay couple. And, and look, this can happen and has happened with heterosexual married couples as well. But it's happening at an alarming rate within this gay couple scenario in which these, pe- these children were adopted or fostered by this couple and put into literal kiddie porn. We see it in Texas. This, this just happened as well. It's disgusting. And that's not to say that it can't happen in heterosexual homes either, because it does. But the reality of this situation is that you have a bully pulpit, and you should be using it not to, I'm going to judge you, but to advocate for and fight for pro-life, to fight for strengthened adoption, to fight for marriage mattering, to fight for a life-based definition of marriage. Marriage has always been about one thing throughout almost all of human history, the ability or the want to procreate. That doesn't mean it's going to happen for everybody. I'm living proof of that but I at least would have the ability to potentially do that with my wife, right? Right? That is pro-life. The promotion of the family, the promotion of fathers in this country, the promotion of, yes, the antithesis of BLM, the nuclear family, the nuclear family, right? Nikki Haley, you do you, boo. I'm not going to judge you. If you want to go, go ahead and kill your babies, but I'm, oh, no way, man. I, I, I can't do that. We're not talking about you deciding whether or not you're going to mainline meth or not. Or you choose to be a Packer fan versus a Bears fan in Chicago. Or you prefer Budweiser versus Miller. That's not what we're talking about here. We are talking about literal life and death. And if you cannot at a bare minimum say, you know what I'm going to stand up for? I am going to stand up for every piece of legislation on a state level. I am going to use the bully pulpit of the presidency to highlight every single one of these bills. And I am going to put all of the resources that I can into that. I will stand up and I will say I am pro-life, and I believe that we should advocate for pro-life positions. Otherwise, what good is it? You're personally pro-life, but you know what? Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Kale. Go ahead. Who am I to judge? 
This isn't judgment-based. This isn't judgment of a mom who's in a really difficult situation, could be addicted to drugs or whatever have you. And by the way, the the rape and incest uh, conversation that came up yesterday at the debate, it is less than 1% of cases that that is actually happening. Less than 1%. Did Nikki Haley say, you know what? I'm not cool with you being able to kill a six-month-old child in in the womb. Because that's the law now in the Constitution of the state of Ohio. And we know that this is way past the ability for somebody to live outside the womb, by the way. Did she call that sickening? No. Boy, that would be judgment. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be judgment of the person. It would be judgment of the action You know what? You go ahead and murder whoever the hell you want. Who am I to judge? Who am I to judge if you want to stab somebody today? What are we doing? What are we doing if we can't even stand up for the basics? Now, beyond all of that, we also, as this was going on, had a rally for Donald Trump in the state of Iowa because he's putting more resources back into a state that he believed he had in the bag, except for he really doesn't. Um, If you go on to X, formerly Twitter, if you go there, you will see shot after shot, video after video of that rally. Um, Donald Trump ain't as popular as he wants you to believe. Remember the days of like 10,000 people showing up at every single rally? Remember the days of him filling arenas? Well, he couldn't even fill a high school football field and stands at all. Green space everywhere. There were complete sections that were completely empty that would have normally back in the day been full for Donald Trump in the state of Iowa. That's not good news for Donald Trump because the vast majority of the people of Iowa probably were not tuning in to this debate, but they also were not attending his rally. And by the way, if you watch the videos, I just didn't have time to pull them. If you watch the videos, you're going to see one thing and one thing only from most of these videos. People in mass walking out while Donald Trump is blathering on forevs. People had enough. People are tired of Donald Trump and his shtick. That is the reality of this. And furthermore, the only other thing that I hated last night is nobody showed or asked Team GOP for a plan. If Donald Trump somehow is the nominee, what are we going to do? Or make the case that Donald Trump, with the indictments that are down, cannot be the nominee because we will continue the losing if that is the case. And I want to win. Nobody made that case. But Donald Trump 
is in some serious trouble, despite Charlie Kirk and others just deciding to maw the polls. Did you learn anything from the previous night? Or are you just going to ostrich yourself into the sand? But I want you to see this from CNN. And by the way, M MSNBC or NBC, I forget whichever one, also had something very similar to this. But this is a group of Iowa voters that CNN talked to post-debate. All of you, 12 of you, 12 of the 13 voted for Trump. How many of you are ready to vote for Donald Trump right now in the caucuses? How many of you will caucus for Trump? Just two. So 12 of you voted for Donald Trump for president, but only two of you are ready to caucus for him. 12 of those 13 voters voted for Donald Trump and only two. So 10 of 12, that's like 84% or something, right? It's at least 80% of the people are either not going to vote for Donald Trump or are not sure at this point in time if they would vote for Donald Trump. That's a problem. And I also understand this. Iowa has had a recent history of not picking the eventual nominee. But what I will say in this scenario is that Donald Trump should have home court advantage in so much as he is the former president, he is somebody who has the biggest possible name recognition in a political sense and in a social sense of any of these candidates. He touts all these polls, yet none of them are showing up on the ground. None of them. I've talked to my friends that live in the state. I've talked to... Uh, political pundits in the state. And the reality is that what I always do and what they're beginning to do now is take a look at the fervency. And what is that? What kind of yard signage? What kind of highway signage? What kind of placards and this, that, and the other thing are out there for candidates? The vast majority of them are not seeing a lot of Donald Trump signs. Trump 2024. There's a lot of DeSantis, some Vivek, some Nikki Haley out there. And what is unlike other times that we have seen, maybe Iowa doesn't portend like it didn't in 2016, right? Ted Cruz wins and then doesn't do anything. Well, the difference this time around is, again, that name recognition that if Donald Trump can't pull Iowa, where else other than maybe South Carolina, is he really going to be strong early on? Maybe Nevada? But again, the polls are the polls. They're meant to tell you one thing, to make you think one thing, so that you vote that one thing in, right? That's what the change in the polling has done on a national level. This is all about psychological Ops, psyops, okay? The polling is telling you that miraculously Donald Trump is winning four out of the five main swing states, that Donald Trump is beating Joe Biden by almost six, seven points outside of the margin of error. You really believe that in an era in which they openly have been cheating? An era in which literally voting machines in Pennsylvania were flipping votes in this election in 2023? 
and they had to shut them down and, and try to recalibrate. When they were willing to go that way right now, what do you think they're willing to do in 2024? They're going to push the candidate they think they can beat. Make this about the Republican Party and its future. Make it about liberty and its future within the Republican Party. It's just that simple for me. And we'll see if the PSYOP or critical thinking actually wins. But with that, folks, like I said, I'm Andrew Coppins. I hope you have a very, very good Thursday. And as always... Please be smart, be safe, be kind. Make sure you eat all of your meals. Matthew 547.